Hello and welcome to the Didache podcast, where we draw upon past wisdom to help plant and grow new churches. In this A Sunday with Jesus series, I'll be joined by a range of guests, and together we'll walk through a typical Sunday, from the call to worship through to food after the service. And we're asking, how do these things help us to follow Jesus throughout the week? My hope is that we'll see our gathered worship of Jesus as the heart of our church life together and our discipleship to Jesus. Not just because of what we're doing, but because of what God is doing in these gatherings. As James Smith wrote, Worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do, it's where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship, because it's the gym in which God retrains our hearts. Thanks to all those involved in these episodes, thanks to John Smith for the incredible intro music, and to you for listening. I hope this series helps enlarge your vision of Jesus and his church. I thought we'd just do a bonus episode on church leadership and the notion of the priesthood of all believers and the way in which as a body, as a church family, we all have these different gifts and roles and responsibilities. I wonder, Uncle Paul, for one or two minutes, could you just reflect on that for us? Yeah, it's uh, it's an, I've bumped into that quite often, particularly in church planting, where you're starting church family from scratch in a way, sent out from another church and so on, but you're starting things refresh. And sometimes the people um, in church planting things are sort of like, oh, it's good to be able to have a church start from scratch because we can get rid of lots of the hierarchy and lots of the priestliness of old style church and we can operate it more and really and they'll sometimes even use the word like a democracy and that way we can all vote on everything and have what and they'll literally say a flat structure to church as if that's well obviously that's what we should be doing have a flat structure to church problem with that is it's not biblical um that in the bible there is hierarchy and authority in fact not just in the bible in the universe the whole universe is super hierarchical and that was a word that we are very nervous about postmodern people because we've seen tremendous abuse of authority and authority structures in the modern world uh, and it's true the modern world the sense of like in the in the pre-modern world christendom sort of idea there was this very very strong sense that christ is the divine emperor the king of all kings over all the kings and lords and barons and everyone with authority and so what you find is even medieval kings christian kings who have behaved badly are terrified tremendous sense of guilt and shame because they know they're going to have to answer to Jesus so that sense that their authority is is under the authority of Jesus meant it affected the way authority was used structurally and so on throughout all all these kingdoms Christian kingdoms and so on um but in, a, in, in our modern time, there's no sense that, that there's anyone to answer to above us. So politicians, presidents, even multinational companies, are, 
They don't believe there's any power above. And so they, throughout the past hundred years, especially, the abuse of authority and power is so strong that we have almost a visceral dis, like, um, discomfort and even a hatred of authority and authority structures. And the belief is, no, let's not do that. Let's instead have it flat so all the people have all the power. Now, to me, I find that terrifying because the democracy is the power, is the rule of the mob, the rule of the mob. To me, a mob is the most terrifying uh, thing of all. And that's not in the Bible. That, the, the, Jesus says to the authorities, power comes from above. You, Pontius Pilate, he says, don't you realize, Pontius Pilate says, don't you realize I have authority over you? And then Jesus just says, oh, no, any power you've got has come from above. All power flows from above the heavenly throne. It was we instinctively in the modern age, believe, we say power comes from the people, government of the people, for the people, by the people. So we believe it all comes from below. And, the, and when authority flows up from below, it can only lead to abuse and to bad results. So that's just a big a background. So in the, in the Bible, church, Old Testament and New Testament is very structured. And the, the things aren't done by voting, like elders, priests, deacons, you know, overseers, apostles. They made the decisions. They made decisions and, and, and took, you know, and taught. And then the Bible literally says, you know, respect the elders, do what they say, look at the example of their life, follow them, pay attention to what they teach. Jesus even said it about the Pharisees. He says, listen to what they do. Don't, don't, don't live the way they live, but do listen to the teach. He even said that about them. And I'm like, well, they're losers, but it's, I don't know, but there's authority. There's, there's something about that. And then particularly in the Old Testament. Now, that, what is then this, this concept of the priesthood of all believers? It actually comes from the Old Testament. It's from Exodus chapter 19. When they arrive at Mount Sinai, the first words spoken to the ancient church at Mount Sinai is, it's in verse, um, well, it's verse uh, four. Let's, I'll just read verses four to six. The Lord, when they arrive, Moses goes up to God. The Lord calls to him from the mountain and, and says, this is what you're to say to House of Jacob, children of Israel, church. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to, my, to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So the whole of the ancient church was a kingdom of priests and holy kings and priests, if you will. But they were all priests, a kingdom of priests. And Peter picks it up in 1 Peter and he says, yeah, that's right. We are that. So it's not a New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing. And the New Testament reminds us of it. It says, no, no. Everyone in church has this priestly ministry, and we do. We all have a priestly ministry in that, and this is what it goes on to explain in the law, that the people as a whole have this ministry of representing the living God to the watching world. And he quite often say, learn my laws, take them to heart, put them into practice so that 
the world will watch and say, wow, the, what's going on there? That the God is so close to them and lives among them. And look how they live with justice and truth and compassion. And he listens to their prayers when they talk to him. So the, the, the body of the whole church body as a whole, living not just when they gathered, but as they live all the time, is a kingdom of priests representing the living God to the watching world, but also bringing the watching world to the Lord God. Because when that watching world would come and say, well, what's going on with this massive pillar of cloud and fire connecting heaven and earth? Are you really connected up to the, the highest heaven? And they're like, oh, absolutely. Yes, you're totally welcome. You come and join us. We're the tribe of Benjamin. You know, you can join us and uh, we'll get you set up in a tent and let's get well, I suppose one of the first things is you wouldn't go on Christianity Explorer Alpha. They'd actually circumcise you. But that's a that's a very different sort of church uh, welcoming thing. But nevertheless, whatever it was, that's how they did it and got you set up and joined church. And then you'd find, you'd learn. And you see, that's the point. So it was the first people you would meet as you approach the ancient church were not the Levites because they're at the center uh, with the high priest. The people you met who would bring you into church were all the people of the tribes. That's who, in fact, the very first people you'd meet were the unclean church members out on the periphery. So you'd meet the people who were probably the very easiest to get on with. You wouldn't be meeting some super holy person. You'd be meeting teenage boys who'd had nightly emissions or whatever, <laughs> or, or, you know, people who'd actually got in a little bit of the messiness of life. Those were the, and there's, I love that thing, that the very first people you'd meet on your way in to go to, to find out what church is about is people who, who had a little bit of mess in their life. And then you and then you think, well, you know, I, I, if this person is a member of church and can connect to the living God, well, so can I. And that was a lovely little thing, the first, and anyway, so that's it. So they were, that's what they were, a, a kingdom of priests, but there was the tribe of the Levites. So they were all priests in the ways that we've described and the, and the law may, spells that out and thinks it's super important that they are a kingdom of priests who have that, witnessing the Lord to the nations, bringing the nations to the Lord. But there were Levites. There was the high priest. So it, the Lord didn't go, ah, you're a kingdom of priests, therefore they won't need, we're not going to have Levites. No, he's like, you are a kingdom of priests. You've all got priestly work to do. But I've also got specialists, <laughs> Levites, and they're assisting the great high, the high priest. And their job is to, they, they really were doing the formal liturgical, when people would assemble, or different acts of worship and offerings and sacrifice. They were helping all that to be administered and work, assisting the high priest and so on. But they are called priests. So everyone's a priest. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But there were still actual Levites and the high priest. That's all the way it was in the Old Testament. So in the New Testament, you know, we use the word presbyter sometimes, which is a kind of variation of priest in that sense, the concept of that. So, yeah, we are all priests in one sense, but that doesn't mean we all do like the equivalent job of what the Levites were doing. What was the job of the Levite? According to Malachi, the heart of it was actually teaching the Bible. 
And of course, we think of the administering of sacraments because they had like loads of sacraments, these visible expressions of um, this communion with Christ. And there were loads of these visible activities that they were commanded to assist with and perform and things like that. So they were doing sacraments. But actually, it's interesting that Malachi says the job of Aaron and the Levites centrally was teaching the Bible to make sure people understood everything. And then you come to the what you know New Testament church, and you've still got priests whose job is to administer sacraments, explain the word, to make sure everybody understands what they're doing, and to make sure they're all doing this priestly duty of representing God faithfully to the world and bringing the world in to this gathering of assembly and to the to the to the high priest who is the Lord Jesus. Yeah, and, and because of we're all priests, sometimes people say, um, well, we've all got charismatic gifts of the spirit. That's true. That's in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And you'll think in the Old Testament, though we think often, don't we, of the Basilel and Aholiab who had those charismatic gifts for making all the tabernacle stuff. And they were these craftsmen, but all these different gifts of the spirit, singers and administrators david was gifted to be a king and and you know all these different gifts that and then we the, you get representative lists of gifts of the spirit in corinthians and romans and elsewhere and um, and they are things like uh hospitality uh, administration speaking different languages translating different languages generosity giving looking after people support uh, explaining the bible having wisdom to know what's going on in situations now what sometimes people do is go these gifts we all have these gifts so we all should be exercising them when we gather for formal liturgical worship that's the time for those gifts to be wheeled out and used then well of course there is a sense in which yeah there there's, there are some of those gifts some of those gifts have uses in gathered worship situations some of them do but mostly the things that we should be exercising those gifts in priestly ministry not exclusively or even especially when we're gathered together in those liturgical moments, they are for use all the time as church. So get hospitality, learning languages, explaining languages, supporting, administrating, all these things, explaining the Bible, prophecy. What prophecy really is in the Bible is preaching. It's declaring the word of God to one another. That is something, there's, all, there's endless opportunities for that all the time. And, and hospitality. So, like, so the, see, if you've got the gift of hospitality and it only is exercised at gathering time, you know, these special centralized gathering times, it's, it's, it's not that many uses for it in a way. I mean, you can try, you can do so. I personally think we should always eat together afterwards. Yeah, that's a thing for another occasion, but it's not a requirement or anything like that. But so once you realize, no, we're always church. 24-7. We should be using these gifts of the Spirit in our life as church 24-7, all of them. So then all of these gifts suddenly, yeah, use them. If you've got hospitality, you've got, you know, there's, there's a crazy useful gift or administration or giving or 
all the different, all those gifts that don't get much uh, time because people focus on the ones that really only appropriate for the gathering. All the gifts suddenly you go, wow, this, they they should they're amazing to use all the time, and they are. See, once we've escaped the notion that church is a building, or it's only when we gather that's church. No, no, no. There are assembling times, yeah, where we all gather together. But we're always church and we always must be living as church and using our gifts as well as by prophecy, preaching, teaching. That should be going on all the time as well, because that's often when a person will say to me, I feel I should be. I feel I've got the gift of preaching. You need to give me a spot on Sunday. I'm all, to be honest, what I want to know if they really have that gift, they'll already be doing it. They'll already be explaining the Bible. Uh, I won't need to give them a, a platform. They'll already be doing it. Then mostly they're not. So I'm like, no, nah, I don't see it. I don't see it. They oh, you haven't given me a chance yet. No, I don't need to. Don't need to. Mostly, mostly. Sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, we'll see. We'll find some way to see if they've got that gift. But mostly I shouldn't need to. They should already be explaining the Bible to people in loads of situations. Well, that's how we know a person for leadership in church. Because we already can see them serving. The gifts are already operating. They're already serving, pastoring, caring, explaining. And so that's the big thing, is to get people away from a fixation on only those moments for exercising gifts or being priests and realizing, no, no, 24-7, get the gifts, priestly ministry, it's all the time.